0: There's some cronyism in there because we were just watching a documentary that dealt with toys and the story of Lego and the point at which their company, like they were almost bankrupt and then their patent expired. Mm-hmm. But then that was the point when they were forced to innovate. Yes. And that literally saved their company. Wow. Suddenly the market was flooded with different types of Lego products. So, yeah, I mean, the patent expiring was the best thing that happened to them. <laughs>
1: Transmitting directly from the launch pad.
2: Bringing blue collar to your cell tower. The rock and roll
1: libertarian himself. It's time to blast off with Johnny Rocket and you gotta dig that rockabilly i know you gotta dig that hip high and you gotta dig an old hey this is what johnny rocket and i'm here with my ray and true miss raylene lightheart hi guys hey johnny raylene how you
3: doing i'm you know what i'm in a great mood
1: like usual you, when are you not in a great mood like usually it's like i'm you know every once in a while i have like a bad day but today i'm yeah. actually all right i'm all right good yeah, God, It's
3: been raining like crazy here. How's the weather over in Arizona?
1: It's actually like 40 degrees. So it's a little, you know, 47. Good. So it reminds you of home. Well, 47 and sunny. so it's Oh, not, sunny. Yeah. It's not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, so I just got done with uh, being on the Brian Nichols show. And I some- somehow stumbled all over that show. I don't know what the hell I was doing. But uh, when I was up early, I haven't had my coffee. Well, I actually had too much coffee. Maybe that's the problem. See, I was thinking about this because... Usually when I drink too much coffee, I'm like, blah, 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 like a machine gun. Do
3: you get all shaky and weird? I do. I try not to do
1: that. Yeah. When I drink too much. Yeah. It was like a pot and a half of Holy coffee. Crap, yeah, Johnny. Yeah. How do
3: you live like a rock and roller? You really do. And then <laughs> I
1: chase it down with some booze and whiskey. That's how, that's my day, you know? So like, actually I haven't had any whiskey or any alcohol and that's a problem. That's a problem. Maybe that is what's wrong. I don't
3: think it's a problem. I, I don't know. I think Maybe that that's that it's a the problem. problem. <laughs> Maybe it is a kind of problem. <laughs> it is.
1: I, I should go to meetings, right? Actually, I don't go to meetings, so therefore I cannot be an alcoholic, right? That's great. No, it's true. It, it is very true. Okay, Raylene, are you ready to bring out our guest? You know I am. Well, actually, this is different. Are you ready to bring out our guests? That's a plural. Yes. That's an S in the end. All right. Louis Liberman and his wife, Julie Wilder, are professional graphic artists, writers, and award-winning illustrators. Their libertarian and ANCAP writings, cartoons, and graphics have been featured just about everywhere from Lou Rockwell, Actual Anarchy, and Adam Kokash to the Tenth Amendment Center. Historian Brian McClanahan and Austin Peterson. While they're not working as educators or poking fun at the lunacy of leftist, statists and neocons, they enjoy reading, watching movies, playing games, and spending time with family. Find them at libertopiacartoon.wordpress.com. Raylene, prepare for liftoff.
3: Copy that, Johnny.
1: Covers, tie downs, and grounding cables. Removed as required. Communications connected. Check. Preamps in the green. Check cold beer double check thrusters are hot railing are you ready to rock all systems go johnny let's blast off with lewis liverman and
2: julie wilder
1: going to be crazy we have four people on the show now we've never done this before (laughs) it's always three so you guys are breaking our fourth wall (laughs) and our cherry all right guys thank you so much for being here and uh you know the show we wanted to talk about media and you guys have been doing the media thing for quite a while and yeah that's right So art influences society by changing opinions, instilling values, translating experiences across space and time. And art in itself is communication. It allows people from different cultures and different times to communicate with each other via images, sounds, and stories. How long have you been in the media business? And why is art and media so important?
2: Well, I would start by saying that I've been involved in it for quite a while.
0: 19 years now.
2: Yeah 19 years that's going to going to make me sound a little bit old but uh, I don't really feel that old so you're young <laughs> but, at uh, heart you're young at heart yeah, man yeah young and young at heart but uh, yeah, I, I uh, graduated from college in 1999, and then I moved into just doing the daily grind. I still am, of course, got to pay the bills and put bread on the table. But but uh, I've always had a love for art. I've always really enjoyed drawing and telling stories. I can remember, like, as a eight- or nine-year-old uh sitting there with my my little big chief pad and and writing out my stories of of uh guys exploring caves a la indiana jones you know back in <laughs> that was right. school yeah that's awesome but, uh, but yeah we i just i've always enjoyed it and then i of course met julie um i think it was around 2002 and she was a fellow graphic artist and we were both doing the nine to five graphic arts thing she worked for a newspaper and. Uh, we actually both worked in a, 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 public, a publishing company there and uh, together. And, and so we just we got together and got married, and there it goes. <laughs> so. there you Were
3: have you guys it. libertarians when you met? Or is this something that you've kind of progressed into
0: more of the political realm after doing uh, media work? No, I'll we weren't libertarians at first at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably I'll more conservative, Republican, mm-hmm.
1: whatever. Too. <laughs> all of us mm-hmm. were. It seems to be the trend. Like we, I, I, we're we all status warmongers at one point. Yeah. And now look at us. We're like, what the yeah. hell? Yeah, yeah that's exactly. crazy. That's crazy.
0: Although I was more probably apolitical. Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: that was just like what my parents were. So I identified with that. But right. Right. Really I didn't. They care. Totally.
1: Yeah, totally. So, you know, what do you guys hope to accomplish? Tell us about Libertopia Cartoons. Tell us about this. How did this start? And why do you guys think that there's a need for this?
2: Well, actually, I started blogging, I would say, probably since 2009, uh, 2010, somewhere around there. And, and I ran a blog for probably three or four years. And then I decided it wasn't really going in the direction that I wanted to. So I shut it all down. And I took maybe a year, year or year and a half off. And then I started up Libertopia. I got the idea just uh, at that point. This was, I would say, 2014. Um, at that point, we'd been involved in the libertarian movement. You know, I say that in quotes for mm-hmm. probably three or four years. And I was just looking away for a way to try to engage, bring something a little bit different to the table that maybe people hadn't seen before. I, I really appreciate all the uh, the discussion around economics and, and I I can see mm-hmm. that right. we absolutely have a need for that. But but I at that time I thought, well wow, maybe I can use my graphic design abilities and my illustration capabilities and my writing abilities and and uh try to try to bring something a little bit new to the table and and so we started julie uh got on board too she was excited with the idea and of course she she brings me down to earth a lot of times sometimes (laughs) i'll have these crazy ideas but then i'll bounce them (laughs) off her and she'll be like uh maybe you should tone it back a little bit Go
1: team
0: that's johnny and me too yeah
1: Uh, She's like, Johnny, what? stop
2: it. Stop it.
1: Come back to Earth. I'm like, okay, oh, yeah. we'll do, yeah. Yeah. we'll and do.
0: Initially, his the first blog he started didn't really have much to do with art. Mm-hmm. And so that was like, he was just kind of feeling burned out on it. Like he wasn't really accomplishing much. But in the meantime, he had started doing freelance work for a local paper, mm-hmm. doing the, the editorial cartoons. right, And so- In that time, he was getting better and better at his illustrating, and he really liked doing that, and he wanted to see if there was some way he could use those skills and, you know, help promote a libertarian message. Yeah. And so that's how the two came together.
1: Well, like, here's the thing. Is politics, do you guys think politics is an art form in itself? I mean, because here's the thing. I mean, you guys are doing the visual media, but I mean- in a way, I would think that being a politician requires some sort of art of influencing people. What do you, what do you guys think? It oh, can yeah. be definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I would say for sure. I I definitely think that it's an art form. Um, I know that my more cynical side would say that it's a game. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. It is. But you know, there's a lot in life that is that is kind of uh, you gotta you gotta play know how to play the game. But uh, yeah, that's one thing I try to focus on on Libertopia is that there is a lot of creativity. I mean, even if you're an economist or you're a scientist or, you know, you're a basket weaver, whatever, there's going to be things you're going to have to use creativity to to engage in those things and try to figure out ways to talk to people in a way that they're going to respond to. And that's not always just some A plus B formula. You know, you're going to have to. You're going to have to try to, to imagine or walk in their shoes a little bit mm-hmm. and find ways to speak the message that that's gonna, people are going to respond to.
3: Right. It's a very free market idea as in there's a need and you are providing for that need and it's it's um innovation creativity as part of free
1: markets wouldn't you say?
2: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely.
1: You know, here's the thing. What's the deal with alternative media versus the mass media? And you know, what what is the real difference you think between mass media and alternative media? And why are we at a disadvantage being an, the alternative?
2: Well, I would say that mass media is designed for the masses. I mean, putting it simply, it's <laughs> mm-hmm. it's uh, just something that that's corporatized and it's very centralized. I know having a background in newspapers and working for small local town newspapers, I've seen how um, you know back in the '70s and '80s, a lot of these small papers, if they become successful they get bought up by the big city papers and then the big city papers get bought up by some media conglomerate. Mm -hmm. And so then you end up with a very small four or five people, um, maybe more that are controlling all the media. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
0: Deep deep pockets helps. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Deep pockets, (laughs) deep pockets. So the alternative media, we've kind of got to break through and uh, that can be, that can be a challenge for sure. But, I think social media is helping us in a lot of ways, doing that. But mm-hmm. then that gets into the censorship aspect too, uh, which we might want to talk about a little bit later. But but yeah, I think we've we've got some challenges, but I think we're doing it. And as opposed to thirty or forty years ago, I, I feel very optimistic that the little guys uh, they're having just as big a voice in a lot of ways as, as some of the big boys, you know? Right.
0: Well, I feel like podcasting really changed the world kind of in that regard. It is. As soon as podcasting invented, you know, now you do have, you know, a world full of small independent voices. And I do think that's important.
1: That's a great Me point. Too. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, because we, would, we wouldn't be able to do this on regular radio. We wouldn't be on yeah. the regular, you know, terrestrial radios, we call it. And now we're we have the internet. And we have podcasts everywhere. And we are getting heard by thousands of people every week because of this great outlet that's there, there, where everyone can have a voice if they want one. And
0: that... That's amazing. And it's something that we should be utilizing as much as we can. Exactly. I definitely think it's happening.
3: I I'm, What do you guys think the general public is so resistant to using alternative media? I was just wondering, what, what is the big push? What's going to cause the mass exodus from what is out there? And then as a two-parter, when they are less resistant, do you think that the platforms that are out there now will start censoring and selling their users out, just like Facebook and Google and things like that?
2: Um, I would think that uh um I'm trying to trying to it think
0: could just be it could be a generational thing, you know, mm-hmm. like the older generations are more trusting of mass media, mm-hmm. yes, because that's what they grew up with. they had like what three channels, yeah right. and, you know you're you're just supposed to trust whoever is the talking head on the t v
1: that is still true, yeah.
0: I think it's ease of use, right? Comfort. Well, yeah, that too. I mean, especially a lot of the older generations aren't really that comfortable with computers and they don't even hardly know podcasts exist. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Gen Xers and then millennials. I think as it trickles down, you know, people are going to be more supportive of the alternative and less trusting of the mass
1: media. That is a great point. So I don't yeah. I
0: don't know if it's going to be a mass exodus. Mm-hmm. It might just be a gradual progression over time. Kind of like cable
3: versus um, streaming. Mm-hmm. Kind of like just just a switch over. Nice, beautiful,
1: seamless. Who the, by the way, you guys were talking about newspapers, and who the hell reads them? Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I, that's the thing. I find it hilarious, because, I mean, my grandparents read them, and maybe my dad a little bit, but I don't pick up a newspaper. Yeah. yeah. I just read it on my phone.
0: Our parents are still reading
1: newspapers. Still? <laughs> I don't know. They
0: do still seem to work in small towns. You know, you've got your small independent newspaper. And <laughs> yeah, but they don't seem- have internet
1: in those small towns either. Well,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those, those seem better than, you know, the big mass, you know, newspapers. Right. The small independent ones seem a little bit more successful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I, again, students, you know, students nowadays learn print, you know, learn print literacy, right? And our parents <laughs> did. But I think everyone should start learning about multimedia. Because there's a multimedia literacy out there. I mean, understanding Facebook, yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. YouTube, videos, websites, apps. I mean, hell, we had Brett DeRitter on, and he's like our age, and he doesn't know how to run an app. And I, I, we love you, man. <laughs> but you got to you got to get with it. You got to get with I the times. I love I do, hey, too. I,
3: I'm going to point out that people will learn what they want to. That's right. They see a value in it, they learn it. Just like the whole argument for government schools and everything, they, everyone thinks that the only reason these kids are learning those things is because of school, but those kids would learn most of the basic math and the basic English just by existing in a, in a community, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. They, with they you. learn what yeah. they need to use, and they forget and memorize and forget anything that they don't care about. That's just the truth. Same
0: with technology. Yeah. That's what happened. That's what happened to me. I mean, yeah. whatever I didn't use after I graduated, I've already forgotten it. Yeah, good for you. Make some space because it's a waste of our time. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think that there's a trust issue and I, I think the biggest thing is there's a trust issue with the alternate media and i think that people yeah. think that they get their information from a uh, you know the back of a cracker jack box you know versus <laughs> the you know the mass media is like well we have some validity we've been around forever and ever and ever and people are going to listen to what we have to say and speaking of that like it is it me or does it seem like they are using negative news and entertainment more frequently to get mm-hmm. people to watch it See, to me, oh, that's a big deal. Like, we may be talking about, they never focus in about Jim down the street who fed the homeless for a week or whatever, has donated all his paychecks to the homeless. They don't talk about him, but they talk about the uh, evil, no. uh, the evil capitalist out there who fear, fear mongering.
3: They use fear mongering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fear. Yes. Absolutely. Well, that
2: sells. That's, that's what sells and that's what gets uh, viewers and of course, viewers translates into advertising dollars, and of course, uh, I mean that's that's what I've seen time and time again with with newspaper experience. You you wanna you wanna find things that are gonna draw your readers um, or draw your viewers, and in the case of, of the internet, you know you, that's why you get a lot of this clickbaity stuff, even from the the big uh, the big media publishers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you you always want to try to find things that that are going to draw people, and of course it's the same with with uh, the alternative media too. We want to try to find things that are going to draw people and get them interested, and and that may not always be about the the little puppy dog down the street mm-hmm. that, right. that looks so cute. You know? Exactly. <laughs> so so uh, one
0: thing one thing my editor used to say. I mean, even in a small town newspaper, my editor always used to say the standard trope: if it bleeds, it leads. Uh-huh. And, true. you know, what? whatever is crazy or horrible or, you know, whatever bad is going on, this is what draws people They're focus to the front it. page. You mm-hmm. know, they want to focus on that. But It's probably a biological um, imprint on
3: the survival of the species. I, I bet this is a sociobiology thing. I, ooh, I just have a feeling. Ooh, that's
1: I'm, I'm a serious. good point.
3: I have a feeling that if we are motivated by protecting our humanity, and fear would drive that uh, that impulse to get involved and pay attention. Um, love. So for me, I feel like love makes us feel safe and connected with others and how can they sell us stuff if we're not interested unless they use fear to motivate, Ooh. right?
0: Ooh. Well, fear is a big motivator and I think that's really what it boils down to. I think uh, Connor Boyack, I think mm-hmm. he wrote a book about it, how they use fear, the state of fear to promote whatever it is that they want us to be doing because they want us to be afraid. Mm-hmm. So we have to pay attention to them and seek help from them. So it really does boil down to that.
1: You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. And But here's the thing for us, how do, how do we sell this message? How do we, how do you guys think that we need to sell the ideas of liberty and self-ownership and property rights? How do we sell that to people? Because it seems anti, it's not very intuitive to the average person. And I yeah. mean, do you think it's best to kind of come in with a, a soft serve message like a Gary Johnson, and bring people slowly into it, or do you think we uh, need to no. tell people the truth <laughs> from
2: the get go? I mean, that's the
1: that's the ultimate question. I do well, think
0: we just need to speak the truth.
2: Yeah, speak the truth, and we're all different too. I mean, everyone's different, and everyone comes at things uh, from a different way. And you know, you just look at our individual stories. We all came into the the uh, libertarian and cap movement from different ways, different backgrounds. Sometimes we, we may have come at it really slowly, and then other times it may have been just like a light switch where, you know. it. Exactly. Uh, one of the things I- Libertopia does, though, is we try to really use a lot of humor, uh, satire. Uh-huh. Um, that's something that I think can be really, really uh, uh, a good tactic um, because you can comment on things, but then you can do it in a, in a funny way. And you may still get some people that are a little irritated and and may not agree, but that's life. I mean, we don't, we don't have to agree a hundred percent on anything. You know, I'm not going to agree with uh, Ron Paul a hundred percent on everything. I that, do. Okay. I do. I do
1: everything. <laughs> everything that man speaks is gospel to me. Yeah. But uh, I, I, yeah, there's some things I don't agree with. You're right, man. And I think there's some validity, but you, Just because his message is great. And if there's that one thing that you don't necessarily agree with, doesn't mean we should shoot him or gun him down because he doesn't pass the purity test.
3: I agree. I really like what you're saying about the humor thing. And I'm just going to put a pin on that for you or a little bow on it. And what's really cool about using a sense of humor is you're actually, people are reacting in their synapses in their brain to the fun and the goodness of humor that it feels good so they are feeling the alarm the call to the call to action with the the negativity of politics so it's still playing upon that imperative for uh, action yet it still makes them feel good with the humor it's a really good combo i like it
0: and the humor yeah. is something that can counteract the perpetual message of fear exactly that they're always yeah. trying to promote you can you can just break through that with the use of humor I mean, and you see it, you know, lately, with what? the success of Liberty memes on Facebook and Anarchy the ball. Babylon Bee, and all of these various pages and sites that use satire and humor to just break down, you know, the absurdity mm-hmm. of what we are trying, what we're being told That's is right. the way things are.
1: Here is the thing: the ideas of liberty are, I, I think, are very challenging to the average person, just because I think it's the the way they think uh most yeah, people been i brainwashed. Think, well yes but it's also it's most people i think are very sensing in the regards to touch taste and smell for example you know what i mean like where people are mm-hmm. like okay i'm seeing something it affected my family so therefore we need to do something about it whereas yeah. Libertarians are more like, what really is the problem? Let's look beyond the, uh, you know, the emotional. To the uh, root. To the root of the problem. And I think it, that is how we're different. We're more perceiving than we are sensing.
0: And that is something that libertarians struggle with, just in terms of our image. Mm-hmm. You know, people always want to say, well, libertarians are so cold and hard-hearted. Or, you know, whereas the progressive mindset is more feeling. feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, we care about people and... So that's uh-huh. something we have to try to break past, that we do care about people, and that's why mm-hmm. we think we should get to the root of the
1: problem. Right, and that's why we're radicals.
3: I've done a lot of research on cult behavior and ways to indoctrinate and to get people routed in their in brain loops. So they, people are creating their own prisons and their own minds for what works for them and how to control themselves. And that is, starts from a very young age, and the state is a cult. And through advertising and then through the, you know, when it's the same as every other cult, the behavior, it's crazy how people are indoctrinated and they don't know how to think. They reroute themselves back onto themselves instead of pushing further. And libertarians seem to have broken out of that and start questioning everything.
1: You are right, Raylene. And Julie Lewis, do you guys think it's almost our responsibility to teach people how to think again? That that's something I think is important because I think if we can't teach people how to really critically think and take you know to put the emotions in the back seat and start thinking logically, I think you know maybe it's our unwritten obligation as society is to actually teach people like, look, man, don't I know you're upset, I know you feel like you've been done wrong. However, why don't we teach you? Let's look at the numbers, let's look at the facts, and then let's rethink this. Do you think it's our responsibility? To teach people how to think
2: again,
3: or capability, or capability, yeah, exactly. I
2: would say, I would say, definitely. I mean, that's that's just uh, that's part of our responsibility in general as people is to try to pass on something to the next generation, and and that's kind of again, I hate to keep tooting the horn of libertopia, but that's. No, bring <laughs> I don't it! Think, I mean, this is selfless promotion. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's something that, that we really try to work at because we do have have our own. Uh, uh, child that that we homeschool and and oh, no, always don't get we're always trying to think of ways to try to to teach the message to our child and and not just uh dictate it to him like we get in government school but but to try to exhibit it to him and to show it to him and to lead by example and and sometimes we may not do that great of a job at it because mm-hmm. you know we're human but but I do believe strongly that it is our responsibility to try to pass that on to the next generation. And and that's uh, you can do that again through humor. You can do it through, you know, leading by example,
3: talking them through their emotions also and then bringing them down through logic. And that's what I do with my kids. Also, I teach them emotional intelligence and then how to put it into action through logic.
0: Right. Yes. And yeah, logic, logic is what everyone is in sore need of. It goes back <laughs> yes. to what you were saying, teaching people how to think. Yeah. Yep. I mean, nobody learns logic. I didn't
2: right. when no. I was in no. the no, I didn't either.
0: system. Right. No, we don't know anything about logical fallacies, you know, any of that stuff, which is what Libertopia does. We kind of focus on the reductio ad absurdum aspect, reducing Beautiful. things to the absurd, mm-hmm. you know, just pointing out, let's take it to its logical conclusion so you can see how absurd it is yeah that's something that we focus on i
3: love that i just read this article you guys about uh the history of humor mm-hmm. and the predictions in the in the future because of the internet and all the memes and all the humor it is now trending toward total absurdism is is there's going to be such
0: a generation gap very shortly
1: yeah <laughs> well I can that's see this. Just, yeah. that's
0: That's half the joke that you can't even do satire anymore. Because somebody's gonna get offended. You're just you're just telling a true story. Like it's not even satire. (laughs) You can just report a factual
1: news story. Right.
0: And people think, Is this from the onion? Because they can't tell.
1: That's tough. That's tough. You don't know where what reality is now. It's like really? It wouldn't surprise me. You know, you see these stories like woman walks out of bathroom naked, you're like, This is a joke. (laughs) No, no, she really did. It's like, oh okay.
0: It's just so hard, even to do satire, because oh,
1: yeah.
0: you can't even tell the difference between satire and reality anymore. Reality I mean, is
2: it's, really it's still a lot of fun. I mean, we still have so much fun with it, and that's that's what we're doing. Is we're just we're trying to have fun with the message of liberty, and and I think you got to have fun because if you're not having fun, then what's the point? Oh, I'm with <laughs> so, you. I'm with you. So uh, you know, yeah. There's times that we got to get serious, and and but uh, you know, you can still just. Uh, you still can laugh and and that's that's another thing is that if you're laughing at, at people's absurdities, that kind of takes away the sting, whatever sting that they have.
3: Yeah, that's what Victor Pross said because mm-hmm. he does uh, caricature art of different leaders and political figures and people out there and he – it's about humanizing them by mocking them.
2: Yes. Up. Oh, yeah. Yes. 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 Well and you look at you look at uh, guys like Mark Twain and Kurt Vonnegut and I know even Peter Bagg, he's a he's a fellow cartoonist uh, um, that has done libertarian cartoons for for reason you know all those guys they use humor so effectively and of course I know there's going to be people that point out like Kurt Vonnegut and George Orwell they' their socialist leanings but yes you know they still really used the medium, of satire mm-hmm. and just getting people to think in creative ways about problems. And you look at how much Slaughterhouse-Five or or Orwell's 1984 or Animal mm-hmm. Farm, you, you look at how much mm-hmm. those things have have impacted society and and gotten people all across the board to think about these issues and think, well, where are we going as a a society? What's next?
3: And even new media is doing this with the book um, and there's a TV show, Handmaid's Tale and things like that. When you have both the left, the extreme left and the extreme right saying, oh, This is our future, and they're both scared. This is a beautiful thing that's happening in media right now that people are realizing we're in trouble.
1: It's our opportunity to shine, I think. Anyways, though, this is Johnny Rocket. The show is brought to you in part by Free Talk Live, America's number one pro-liberty radio program. These guys are on 190 radio stations coast to coast, and they are live seven nights a week. So please check out freetalklive.com. Again, that's Free Live. Anyways, though, we'll be right back after Rocket Fire after this quick commercial break. Rock and roll. <laughs> this is great. Hey, Rileen, I'm gonna head out and get some beer. <sighs> what are oh, you guys like doing? Ooh. In here, alone. Oh, cute. What's, what's going on? What are you guys hiding? Come on, best up.
3: Well, we're just looking at my new calendar. It's the Libertarian Dad Bods calendar. It is enlightening.
1: Wait a minute. Did you just say a Libertarian Dad Bods calendar? Really?
3: I've actually never been so excited for July in my life.
1: <laughs> are you kidding me?
3: I mean, come on, natural rights, natural bodies, and all this liberty? Everyone should be excited about this calendar. Wait a minute, why am I not in this thing? Don't be jealous, Johnny. Besides, you're a shoe-in for next year. Yeah, hashtag Johnny Rocket dad Bod 2020
1: Okay girls, well, I better keep training. I might need some inspiration.
3: Got you covered, Johnny. Don't worry. You can get your own at sclp.org forward slash store. That's sclp.org forward slash store to get your very own Libertarian Dad Bods calendar for 2019.
1: So much for being here on the show And this has been real fun It's been actually a great conversation Because I don't know if we talk about this enough In liberty circles, more or less But what we do here on the second part It's called Rocket Fire What we do on Rocket Fire, Fire, sir and ma'am Is I'm going to ask you a series of 10 questions These questions will be politically related And if you can answer these questions Between 30 to 60 seconds That'd be badass Lewis and Julie, are you ready to play Rocket Rocket Fire fire. Yes, Yes. we are ready All right. Question 1 is there any correlation with how the public school system teaches and how advertisers and marketeers convey their information? Uh, yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you said keep it under 30 seconds. Uh, so yeah, yes. you can expand <laughs> a little <laughs> bit. <on that>. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say definitely that there's, there's a correlation, uh, between the public school system and, and advertisers and, and the marketers and, you know, you, you look at, uh, how things are branded on TV and, and, uh, we were just watching full house the other day. And again, that's going to tell our age a little bit, but, but, uh, you know, they were talking so positive about their public school experience. And of course the kids are in the public school and, you know, it's just, it's just kind of like written into society now that, that that's what you do. You, you send your kids to school and everything's going to be a okay. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, so, so yeah, I would say that, that, that is, ingrained into people whether it's advertisers or marketers and it's something the libertarians need to to try to focus on and, and work on and hopefully implement in their own houses right on <laughs>
1: why are censorship topics always centered
2: around sex um i would say that well i might pass that to julie
1: all right oh yeah <laughs> throw,
2: throw, throw in the mic
0: i really don't know i mean i would say it's just because it's such a sense of intense, private, you know, obviously a very private thing. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that want to make it not private and others aren't comfortable with that. And I don't, it's just, there's a definitely a propaganda issue there. People trying to propagandize those who disagree with whatever message they're trying to communicate.
1: Right on. Question three. What function does mass media perform in an individual's life and society?
2: Um, it's uh, something that people pay a lot of attention to. And, you know, you, you you feel like you've got to get up in the morning and see what's going on in the world. And of course, if you're on the Internet, you're always going to be bombarded with that whatever you're using, whether it's mm-hmm. Google Chrome or your your email. You, you know, you shut your email down and, and Live's got the news feed there. And, right. Yeah, it does seem like you're you're always being bombarded. And of course, that goes into one of our earlier questions, where where it's just they're wanting to make money, and so they're feeding you this news in the hopes that you're going to click on their advertiser links and such. And and so, um, as a libertarian myself, I've really tried to work to overcome just that constant onslaught of media mm-hmm. and uh, weed through to to the. To the brands that i feel comfortable with you know like your show or the tom woods show and i get honestly i get all my news from there so so, so do i so do i <laughs> so that's all i know it's an
0: attempt an attempt to influence our thought life that's what the mass media does
1: that's
2: right yeah.
1: that's right <laughs> what is the purpose of an opinion poll in in the news and does that help drive political opinion <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think that that goes back to like bandwagon marketing. Ah, yes. And, and uh, so, you know, you, you want to convey, hey, everyone else thinks this way. So why don't you? you, know? <laughs> but, you. But, I uh, think
0: the purpose of an opinion poll is to promote a particular opinion. Yeah, everybody exactly. else to believe exactly.
2: that one. You're not so, cool. Everyone else thinks this <laughs> way. You're an idiot. <laughs> Well, and any—I've gotten so that any time I see an opinion poll, I'm already—I already start thinking, well, what are they trying to sell me here? You uh-huh. know, what—what what is their view that they're trying to shove down my throat? <laughs>
3: Hashtag Libertarian problems.
2: Yeah, yeah Libertarian <laughs> problems. Exactly. All right,
1: question five. What do you think are some strategies other than media to promote the libertarian philosophy?
0: education
2: Yeah, education's a big one for sure. Um, we would say homeschooling, you know, we don't want to be shills for homeschool, but but we have had such a positive experience with it and and we do see how our son uh, learns and he he has a love of learning and he loves to read and um, he tries to figure things out on his own and And, uh, you know, and as far as the social aspects, you always get that too. people are like, well, what about those social aspects? And we say, well, he's involved in he's involved at the church youth group or he's going out and he's he's involved with the neighborhood kids and. He's I mean, there's just so many areas in which he can be get his his uh social food. You're right, exactly. I mean, better, we'd be betraying or,
0: our brand if we uh, didn't
2: also say art and entertainment. Yeah, art and entertainment too. So Bam, bam.
1: A study of campaign coverage on television news has shown that instead of partisan bias in such coverage, there's actually a bias against underdogs, candidates from wealthy families. Incumbents, front runners, and unphotogenic candidates. Why do you think this occurs?
0: It's an attempt to push a particular candidate or worldview or whatever on us. They know what they want. The media already knows who they want and what they want, and so they're going to try to promote that particular person to the exclusion of everyone else. Uh huh. They did it to Ron Paul. They did. The they did campaign.
1: But, like a follow up on this one, though. Why unphotogenic candidates? <laughs> 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 it's like that dude's ugly. It's. <laughs>
0: because people are biased towards pretty candidates
2: that's probably
1: why (laughs) I, i think so too question seven how does the media and marketers manipulate the public and do they do it subtly or is it obvious
2: um i think both subtly and obvious it depends on who uh who's doing the promoting you know you can see it subtly in television shows you can you can sometimes uh you know that comes in with your part of your critical thinking skills you know analyzing the world view of a particular subject or tv show or movie or piece of music but yeah it's it's like with libertopia we we just we throw it out there and and some people might love it some people might hate it but hey you don't always have to agree on everything
1: Question eight. why do you think younger people are turning away from the news
0: because they just don't care <laughs> Apathy? I don't know. That would be my best guess. Anything that's not technological, too, I think they, they prefer that. They're just like they just more focused on entertainment, I think.
1: All right, question nine. Globalization, media, politics.
2: Why do they seem linked to one another? Uh, globalization, media, politics.
0: <laughs> you are not going to throw this one on me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I'm chewing over that. Globalization, media, politics. I, uh, because of the Illuminati? <laughs> <laughs> The answer to the no. question is <laughs> false. All right. I don't know. False. <laughs> no, I, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's a tough one. Let's see. Globalization media politics. Again, I kinda I wonder if it's not because media is centralized, and so you've got these big business corporations that are looking for ways, you know, to increase the amount of revenue they're getting. So, you know, globalization for them is something that that might be the most profitable. And, you know, like Brexit. Brexit is something that a lot of people, right. that a lot of the media publishers seem like they're against. And maybe it's because they feel like it defragmentizes their ability to reach markets or, or uh, something to that effect.
1: All right. Question 10. How is obscenity determined? Should it be judged on artistic value or its potential to cause an uproar?
2: Um, obscenity. I would say that it is, again, in the eye of the beholder. Um, some people are going to look at it differently. Uh, you know, like people in, in Europe may look at a particular word uh differently than we look at it here in America I know like fag something- like fag <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly right um but uh sex too that's another one where people in Europe they always seem like they're mystified that why we're so puritanical about it here in America um, but then they're in Europe they're more opposed to a lot of violence um, so it does it does seem like it's it's your different communities are going to respond differently and and that's the beauty of it is think local act local you know whatever whatever your community community's needs are then that's that's what we should respond to
1: great Brian McClanahan reference there too <laughs>
2: yeah but, exactly
1: <laughs> So a lot of people criticize libertarians that we preach to the choir. Do you think living in an echo chamber can be a
2: good thing? Um, Julie, do you have any thoughts on I that? I think Julie can handle this one.
0: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that that's true that we always preach to the choir, but it is true that sometimes you need an echo chamber to some degree just to maintain your sanity. It's nice to have people that you are of like mind with that you can bounce ideas off of, but I don't think you should live there 24 7. I'm with you. I don't know that it's true that we're always living in an echo chamber because we do try to reach people.
1: I'm with you, and that's Rocket fire. Giving up for losing, Julie. Bam. Yeah. Good job, guys. Good Probably
0: job. wasn't very rocket paced, but no, no,
1: that no, was fine. Anyways, was it was a rocket here at blast off. I'm here with my ray of truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart, and we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Rock and roll.
3: Libertarians is a children's media company for children's ages 0 through 7. Our stories teach the foundational principles that underlie libertarianism and relate them in a manner that even the youngest children can understand and enjoy. Little Libertarians was founded by attorney and libertarian activist Dori Goichman. We teach the basics of self-ownership, non-aggression, and property rights to babies, toddlers, and young kids. Use coupon code ROCKET, R-O-C-K-E-T, for 40% off of Little Libertarian products at www.littlelibertarians.com Again, that's www.littlelibertarians.com.
1: Miss Rayleigh Lightheart <laughs> Rayleigh, thank you for being so quiet while we're doing the rocket fire questions I know it's very difficult for you sometimes
3: Well, I have so much to talk to you guys about but I kept it shut
1: <laughs> Alright, so guys thank you so much for being here on the show Julie and Lewis, Liberman and Julie Wilder Thank you guys and you guys are doing the uh, Libertopia cartoon series and where can people find that before we uh, continue on with our interview?
2: Yeah, they can find it at libertopia dot wordpress dot com. And if anybody's scared by the wordpress dot com, just know that I'm a poor, starving artist and <laughs> haven't afforded to upgrade that. Lewis, yet.
1: it's fifteen dollars, <laughs> Lewis. It's uh, yeah. fifteen dollars.
2: <laughs> yeah. You can skip well. out on
1: the Internet for a month and get that.
2: <laughs> yeah. What's this thing about snowflake buddies? That's our latest book. You can find that at Shotwell Publishing. Of course, if you go to the website, you can you can find a link to it, too. But um, it's just a fun satire book. It it kind of is like Garbage Pail Kids, if you remember that from the 80s, where it it creates these fun little characters and and then it kind of pokes fun at at just a lot of the absurdism of statism, uh, neoconservatism, and, of course, leftism. But uh, um, that was the goal of it is just to, to laugh and have fun with a lot of the current events that are going on and the crazy stuff like monument censorship or art censorship or, you know, the Antifa, uh, the radical feminists, the wow. pee on people and, and all that, you know, it just it goes after it and it laughs about it and. And uh, I think it's a lot of fun. I think people have a lot of fun with it.
0: It's kind of a satire of, you know, the old educational primers. You know, that uh-huh. had the ABCs with a poem next to each one. Okay. And so that's kind of what it is. It's like a graphic novel that looks like an old uh, educational primer. But the characters and the poems are all poking fun at leftist absurdity. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so it's not it's not PC at all, but that's the beauty of it is you can put it on your coffee table if people even have those anymore. But (laughs) you can you can put you can put it there and then when your your leftist family member comes over for Christmas or Thanksgiving and they pick it up, then you you can engage in a brilliant Conversation. I love it. I love so, it. I love it. And it's that. kind of a
0: satire on the the snowflakes and how they had to have their coloring books and their safe spaces. And so it's got some coloring pages in there too. <laughs>
2: yeah, and I know kids like it. Uh, distant mama, she she, uh, she uh, well, distant mama, she's got a couple kids, and and she says that her kids love it. So there you go.
1: You know what's funny? At work, we had a safe
2: space and hug room at work. <laughs>
1: And I Stop thought it, it was hilarious. No, I'm serious. We did it Get as out. a joke. Okay. And, so you and could I,
0: buy a copy and put it in the safe space.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. That was, that was great.
0: So I have a question for you guys. Um, do you
3: believe the government should protect artists' IP as a property rights issue? Or do you think that IP and patents are just another form of cronyism? Explain.
2: Um, I, as an artist, I would say that I don't put a lot of stock into the, the government IP as IPS excuse mm-hmm. me um, because I've been working and for the last 19, 20 years as an artist and and a lot of my stuff I just give away for free and of course being on the internet I know that people are gonna grab it and rip it off if, mm-hmm. if they care you know I <laughs> and uh, and of course that's a badge of honor in itself if somebody takes it and, and uses it for, for whatever that that hey that it, it got out there enough I think the free market definitely provides solutions for, for that, you know, depending on your community. Uh, it, again, a lot of this comes back to just, just your community and what, what the needs of your community are.
0: I think you know, that it's definitely, sorry to interrupt. No, do it. I, I think that it's <laughs> your definitely... Husband. Interrupt them
2: all day. <laughs> yep. no, well, I can hear
0: he was struggling, so yeah, I think... Yeah, I'm used to it. Um <laughs> I do think that it's definitely, there's some cronyism in there because we were just watching a documentary that dealt with um, toys and uh, Lego, the story of Lego Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. point at which their company, like they were almost bankrupt and then their patent expired. Mm -hmm. But then that was the point when they were forced to innovate. Yes. Mm -hmm. When their patent expired. Yes. And that literally saved their company. Because now suddenly the market was flooded with different types of Lego products that were cheaper. So now they're forced to do Mm -hmm. something different. So yeah, I mean, the patent expiring was the best thing that happened to them. What a cool story because ideas are meant to be
3: uh, explored, shared, um, spread, multiplied, built upon. That's what uh, human action, our economic beliefs are all surrounding that. So I'm not a big IP person, but because you guys are artists, I really wanted to ask you that. So thank you.
2: That's a good one, Riley. I thought that was a thanks. great question. Great yeah, job. Thanks to Julie, too, for filling in for me. That's, <laughs> that's, uh, well, that's that's the beauty of, of being a, a couple is that your your spouse can, can answer your questions for you. She's got your six, man. She's got yeah, your six. Definitely. I
0: know what he's thinking, even if he doesn't know it himself. <laughs> yeah. That's how i with my husband, too. Oh,
1: my God. Oh, my God. That's funny. Okay. In a free society, here's the ultimate question. In a free society, you think artwork and free speech could actually be more restricted and censored by private property rights of the individual.
2: Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that was something that Julie and I were talking about just the other day um, with with the uh, monument issue. Of course, a lot of people probably aware of that, but uh, you know, the the monu- the veterans monument censorship, mm-hmm. um, where a lot of uh, public places are wanting to take these off and of course myself being an artist you know this is something that that i've been thinking about a lot is is these they are considered works of art and they're they're being censored <laughs> yeah. and uh, how do how should we respond to that and and then if it's a public piece of land uh versus a private piece of land Um, You know, let's say they move it to a private piece of land, but then the private owner decides it wants to take it down or, uh, you know, and it doesn't have to be a monument. Maybe it's maybe it's a painting or, you know, like somebody buys the Mona Lisa and decides they want to paint a mustache on her, you know. (laughs) It's it's their property. I mean, it's their property.
0: That's something I still haven't completely worked out in my mind, because I do think the private property issue is the key to some of these monument removals and whatever it is that people don't like the look of Mm -hmm. if it's on private private property there's really nothing anybody can say about it i agree
1: agree. that (laughs) it sucks you know like that's the thing yeah if somebody buys a mona lisa they technically have the right to put a bowling ball through it if they want you know yeah but they have the money to do that then let them do it but at the same time (laughs) i think people would like be losing their fucking heads over it you know yeah probably
3: Most people who would pay could afford that would treasure it because when you spend money on something, you actually have already decided it has a value. Therefore, <laughs> you usually protect it. This is why private property is so much better than public because when it's public, it's everyone's and no one takes care of it. And when it's private property, you actually care.
1: That's true. Care Nine times out of ten. But again, there's Not that. True. There's always. There that might guy. be an
3: outlier. Yeah. There's, there's always but, that what guy. Is, what can you do? Yeah, you can. Then it's, an, then it's art in action. Somebody who would buy, had the means, would crowdfund or any way that they could get their hands on the Mona Lisa and drew a mustache on it, it would be a live action art piece by doing that. That would be to, to set the world on fire. And I actually think we should pay attention.
2: Well, it's like uh, Banksy, you know, if you're familiar with him, he does yep. a lot of. A lot of these crazy art installations, and and then people love it because yeah. it's you know it's like it's a new form of art that he's created. But uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm totally I, with you on that. Uh, so, that's a little I weird. Saw,
0: I actually saw a video that was like an auction of a Banksy piece mm-hmm. that was yeah. set to self-destruct the second it was purchased, and wow. it actually that's so put sexy it, shit. it that's cool. put it through a shredder like the second they purchased it, yeah. it like self like just shredded. That's it was crazy. Built into the frame, and then they were saying it was worth more afterwards. So, <laughs> Isn't that
3: oh my, it's funny?
1: so like, deep. It's so deep.
0: Uh, it's so meta,
3: right? Yeah. yeah. yeah, <laughs> it is. yeah okay, it is. guys, this is a fun one for me. Um, imagine you're an aspiring dictator. Now we can just do this as a dictating couple. I oh, you like, guys I go
1: for it. It. I do this all the
3: time. Oh man, <laughs> oh. this is bad.
1: This is bad. I, I heard a dirty joke in there. And uh, uh-huh. all right, go ahead.
3: <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Using. Using media, describe your three-to-five-pronged approach to winning over the trust and support of the nation.
2: Ooh. You're a bad guy. Oh, boy. Let's see. I would use lots of Orwellian Big Brother posters. Oh, yeah. Um, Propaganda. Yeah, lots of propaganda. That would be my first prong. Uh, My second pronged approach would be to use my wife, Julie, to, to
0: answer your questions yeah to answer all my hard
2: questions <laughs> yeah that's a good one um, and then my third approach let's see what would i do as a um as a dictator julie go ahead jump in
0: i'm trying to think of what he would do let's <laughs> see propaganda but then you would have to censor any counter propaganda or anybody trying to
3: there we go. So censorship. So oh,
0: censorship would
3: have to yeah. be
1: in- So in a free society, right? What about propaganda? What about censorship? Do you think, where do we draw the line on that? Do you think people should have the ability to censor things? And and that is the ultimate question. Where do we draw the line? Let's just face it. We are in the system that we are in now. Yeah, where do we draw yeah. the line? Where do we draw the line? I mean, is it okay to shoot, show nudity? What if it offends somebody else? I mean.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, the way we have it now, it definitely seems like. There ought to be a boundary. Of course, I would think that even in a free society, that there are some things that are just, they ought to be off limits, you know, mm-hmm. just for the protection of young minds and people care about their children. And there are things that kids should not see mm-hmm. when they're very little, you know? Mm-hmm. So I do think that there is a place for, and I don't know if you want to call it censorship or not, but just- That could be just cultural keeping, influence. Keeping some things undercover, cover. <laughs> you know, just for the protection of the young people that are in the society.
1: That's a good, that's a good, I think that's a great answer. So like you, you would support like a statue. Let's just say you had a statue of people having sex, right? And it's a uh-huh. big statue and it's in public. You'd be for not maybe removing it, but maybe putting a big, I
2: don't know, curtain around it.
0: Maybe. I don't. So know. it's like
1: people who
2: really want to walk, look at it, they'd be like, <laughs> all right, let's go there. Well, like for instance, we went to a, an art or it was a uh, exhibit oh, yeah. at, it was a
0: lo- local art gallery. Yeah, a
2: local art gallery. And they had a, an exhibit on, on Pompeii,
0: Pompeii.
2: And they had all about their artwork and all about uh, the leaders and, and the different issues going on during the day. But then, off in one corner, they kind of had this, this room that had a lot of the pornographic art of Pompeii, you know, a couple thousand years ago. Right. <laughs> and they said, you know, if you want to go in there and look at it, there it is. But. Yeah. They had a
0: sign letting yeah, you know it's this room, no, we- this is what's here. So if mm-hmm. you don't want to see it, don't come in this room.
2: Yeah. So I thought that was a that was a great way to handle it right there, is that you know, some people may want to go in there and see it and check it out, other people may not, and they can go around it if they don't want to see it. So. Right on. so I'd
3: like to talk to you guys real fast about when you were mentioning propaganda and there are a lot of different types of propaganda. So I wanted to kind of get back to that with you. What types of propaganda do you think we would be seeing? Uh, vilifying certain types of people to cause divisiveness? Would it be 1984 posters like you were talking about? Would it be teaching people that two conflicting words mean the same thing so they can get in there and actually brainwash you? Or do you think it would be about, which? what do you think is the most effective?
2: Um, I think the bandwagon propaganda can really be super Great. effective with people because we are we do Natural. have a need to want to be liked. Yeah, And to feel like we're part of the in crowd. And, and uh, so I think that is a huge tool for a lot of um, political figures and, mm-hmm. and uh, people that are trying to influence social change, you know, just to make it seem like everybody's doing it. And you're an idiot if you're not doing it, too. You Which right. you guys you know?
3: did yeah. that in Rocket Fire. You were talking about that. And when he, Johnny asked a question, and I think that everybody wants to be a winner, and they like winners. And I think that's what the media bias thing was about when he was talking about it. I go, they don't like ugly people. They want winners.
2: Yeah, yeah. for sure. That's for true. Sure. That's true. Well, and Kurt, Kurt Vonnegut made, had a quote like that where he's like, in America, you have only two parties. You have the winners and you have the losers. And it's just that Americans haven't accepted that yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> Absolutely. So it's gotta, that's that's what, what it boils down to. You're either a winner or a loser. <laughs> right on railing. Prepare for landing.
1: Roger that, Johnny. Seat belts and shoulder harnesses. Your body, your choice. Landing gear and downward expanders.
3: NAP initiated.
1: Anti-state superchargers. Defragged and woke. Landing lights and guest websites. Lewis Julie, give us your dot coms really quick before we wrap up the show.
2: Uh, it's Libertopia Cartoon. Specs. Libertopia com.
1: Rock and roll. Anyways, though, this is Johnny Rocket with My Ray of Truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart. And if you guys subscribe to our show, you can hear them, Lewis and Julie, on the after party. So, anyways, though, check us out at supportblastoff.com. Again, that's supportblastoff.com. Raylene, you got anything else?
3: No, I just love you guys. This is fun. <laughs> this is fun. No, I just anyways, love you though, guys. Johnny this Rocket, always
1: launching ideas. We'll see you next week. Rock and roll.